This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Episode 28 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have Dr. Pine from the Paws and Claws in Yorba Linda, California. And we have Coach Pataki, all the way from Hungary. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 15th and the 30th of the month. And I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. How are you? Hi-ho, Debbie. It's going to be a fascinating show today. I can't wait. It is, actually. These people are some of my heroes, really. We've got Kata Pataki from Hungary uh, is a young lady, but with a long career already. And she is really changing. She's bringing Western reigning and riding to the, to the Hung- Hungarian people and the H- Hungarian horsemen. But she also is um, working with a lot of kids, too. So her influence is really strong in that part of the world. And uh, her SEO is getting pretty good on her Google searches. And everything. <laughs> Notice that she's climbing in that area. Oh, isn't that amazing that in today's horse world, horsemen talk about their SEO? It is. It is. It's crazy, you know, and you got to get the right keywords and your meta tags. What? I, you know, there are, there are actually coaching sessions on this from some of these wonderful people who are putting together equine, uh, you know, mm-hmm. lessons online and everything, too. I just, you know, what happened to heels down and... <laughs> 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 That's yeah, what I remember exactly. about coaching. Exactly. Yeah. But it is fun to watch the um, the meteoric soaring of some of these people in other parts of the world or even in the United States now by how effective they are in communicating and going online and making YouTube videos. And it, it really does offer those of us who want to learn more a lot of opportunities out there. It does. There, there, you can get... And it's a catch-22. The Internet is the place for all things information, good and bad. But it good. is, yeah, see, right? But you can, <laughs> you can find really quality information there as well. It's not yep. just crap. Because some people would like you to think that everything you find on the Internet is crap. But yeah. not so. You get what you pay for kind of thing. I know. I, Ooh, I, I do understand. You're right. <laughs> I do understand that. But I think... I think, you know, there's so many passionate people um, involved in horses. I think horse, horse industry is a real cause-oriented industry, too. Mm-hmm. We're not just competing for the ribbons and everything. It is a love. And I, I think they want to get th- a good message out, too. So there really is good quality out there if you're just careful about who you're um, – you know, some of these young people, though, they, they're – they're coming up, and we can't doubt them because they haven't had 50 years of experience. Because remember, they didn't have 50 years of bad experience. <laughs> you know, right. there's a lot of yes. muscle memory in there that needs to go away too in in right. the industry. So, right. and yeah. and and young young professionals in the horse business or the banking business can develop character very early on. You don't have to be an older person to have good character. And I think good character is very much at the heart of good horsemanship. And I think you're going to see that in our two guests today, too. Uh, Veterinarian Dr. Pine is raising up, uh, you know, a menagerie between her kids, her husband, and her older animals. She has a lot of responsibility and a a wonderful, thriving practice in here. And and she has a... um, 
an ethics that I think you're just going to love to hear about her. She's, she's worked hard all her life to put together an amazing practice because of her heart. And she's got her kids coming up in that industry too. And not, uh, maybe, maybe vets too, but in the industry of animals in that she's got her daughter in pony club and she's, she's just a real involved mom, just one of my heroes. And coach Kata, you know, is now I, she's on her second baby, I think now, but she hasn't missed a beat uh, wow. in, in coaching those children and yeah, and horses and everything. Now, and I have, a, I have a question for you, Debbie, because, mm-hmm. and this is a common theme here on Horsemanship Radio, talking about the coaches and teachers of good character who are influencing younger folks coming up. In mm-hmm. the Roberts house, because this is always a, a question everybody asks, mm-hmm. you, you, never, you never give riding lessons to your husband, your wife, or your kid. <laughs> <laughs> who who was the riding teacher at the Roberts house? My mom. She coached yeah? us all. Oh yeah. She she loaded up the trailer and yeah, yeah. No, dad was too busy, you know, with when I was growing up in sh- in the showing era, which started pretty young. I was in lead line classes. Do you guys know? Oh what? yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So pretty baby. Uh, all the way through into high school, um, you know, that was probably the biggest uh or busiest time for dad's career and was involved in mostly the thoroughbred industry then. And so he was traveling a lot doing all that. So the burden was really on mom to keep up with us. Um, demanding that we want to show high point, we want you know, we mm-hmm. want to put the, we want to show jumping, and we want to show western, and we want to do this. And she, you know, somehow the saddles showed up, and the equipment showed up, and um, and it wasn't all new. So I don't know how she was so resourceful. She and just trekked it all around and got the job done. She did. We did bring in some other coaches. We had Eric Bubel from Germany. He had escaped actually from Nazi Germany, and uh, he's actually one of the. Character. He was a, a real guy, but he was one of the guys involved in the uh, lip dishonors and getting them out of Germany. Like, that really? And you, met, you uh, met one of those people? He was one of my coaches. He was wow. amazing. Wow. He was amazing. We, so we did you know a little bit of that for a little while. He mostly had us. I never got to ride on a saddle with the guy. He always had us. <laughs> That's a German for balance, you. There balance, you go. balance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was always about the balance. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was tough. But the exposure was, was really cool. We wow. were never good in anything, but we, were, <laughs> we, we knew a lot of stuff about a lot you of were, different but things. You, but you were growing and learning and taking a lot from it just the same. Uh, absolutely. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't uh, advise it to every parent out there because I know that it's just not possible for every family to supply a horse and take them down the road. It's, it's an expensive endeavor, but I can say go to wherever you can with your kids. Mm-hmm. If you can, mm-hmm. I don't care if they volunteer at a therapeutic, you know, and get around horses, just take them to, if they love horses, take them to wherever they can be. And, and even if it's just responsibility of having an animal, take them there, you know, if right. it's a kitten or a dog, Right. Close enough. And right. there, and you're right, there are a lot of families who, for whatever reason, either a horse or even a dog or a cat, are not going to be an option. But what a great way to take that relationship and, and enjoy it and grow from it, um, even though you don't have one in your home, is by volunteering at shelters and rescue groups and rehab groups. Because frequently the people who run those are just chock-a-block full of A, enthusiasm, but B, knowledge. And you can really learn a lot from that. For example, in Pony Club, they've got programs now for 
uh, families and kids who don't have a horse and can't buy one. But they've got programs for those families now so that they can participate in those programs and still benefit from it because you learn a lot of leadership skills and team building skills and stuff in Pony Club. So they've expanded it to encompass that modern American um, family dynamic that we have now. Love it. Love it. And I think you're going to love Dr. Caroline Pine for those reasons. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the risk capacity survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an index fund advisors. Or you can call us toll free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Dr. Caroline Pine was born and raised in New York City. She received her BS, that's Bachelor of Science, in Animal Science from Cornell University in Veterinary Medicine from Ross University, and then she practiced Ohio in Ohio for two years before heading to California with her husband, Glenn. He's also a veterinarian. Now they have three children, a veterinary hospital, four dogs, four turtles, three chickens, a bearded dragon, a leopard gecko, a rat, a hamster... Oh, yeah. And of course, a horse. Welcome, Dr. Caroline Pine. Thanks for uh, lending your knowledge to us a little bit today. We're happy to have you. This is our first time on Horsemanship Radio. How's everything going out in your Belinda? Everything's going really well. Thank you for the invite. And I hope I can help with some insight on our little equine friends. Our little equine friends and all our friends. Um, you know, what we find, find is that a lot of horse owners also own dogs, cats, birds, a little bit like your menagerie, too, I think. <laughs> yeah? So yes, how long, that is true. Yeah. How long have you been practicing veterinary medicine, just to put a perspective on it? I've been a veterinarian for 21 years. 21 Here in years. California, um, I've worked for a total of 19 years and two years in the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and you didn't ride horses until you were in college. So you know a lot about animals. And this will be an interesting interview that way, because uh, I, I love the perspective of somebody who knows everything about carnivores, flight animals, and uh, you know, a little bit of everything because you have to deal with them. So what do you appreciate about horses when you were introduced to them? Well, being raised in the Bronx, we didn't have much opportunity to go horseback riding. Um, But the main thing that I appreciated when I was introduced to horses as an adult was their size, strength, and mentality. Um, They have a lot to offer as far as personality goes, but they also tend to have to accept you as the rider. Yeah, that's right. So how do you create that bonding? What do you do for that? Um, I find approaching them all in a very relaxed atmosphere, slowly, not doing any big movements, especially with your arms, um, helps them understand that you're at an equal 
stance with them, depending on eye contact, will depend as far as their body language. I listen a lot to horses as far as where their ears positions are, mm-hmm. because they are flight, flight animals. They have a, a very acute sense of hearing, and their ear movement will tell you how they feel, whether they're relaxed or afraid or intimidated. Um, eye positioning and head positioning also means a lot. It's like reading animal behavior in, in dogs. Uh, mm-hmm. Their ear positioning and their body stance and their tail positioning tells you a lot of how they're feeling at that moment. Yeah, that's right. So there are animals that twitch their tails when they're happy. There are animals that twitch their tails when they're not happy. And as a small animal vet, do you, you, you've had to learn probably how to read all those different emotions. Yeah, and it's not something that you really read out of a book. That's where yeah. the experience comes in. It's <laughs> right. just um, approaching slowly, backing off, don't make any quick sudden moves, and see how the animal feels about you. Right. Uh, there's there's lots of books as far as animal behavior, but the main thing is experience, working with them, being on their side day in and day out, smelling them and them smelling you. Yeah. Yeah, you have a menagerie of animals at home, it sounds like. I'm reading your bio here. So who takes care of all those? Uh, the kids do. The responsibility of the animals all lie on our children. Very good. Do you recommend that? I imagine that you're you're doing that for a reason. Yes, uh, I recommend it because it's it's a privilege to have an animal. Again, mm-hmm. growing up in the Bronx, I've always wanted animals, and we never could. So once I was able to attain them for myself, I'm like, okay, at this point, what's it take to take care of them? Uh, I'm not one to spoil my children, especially in the area we live in. It's quite easy to do. And I feel as if if they want something, they need to earn it. And so far, so good. Where my son is now attending the University of Missouri as an undergraduate in animal science, and huh. he's, his desire is also to become a veterinarian. So obviously, if I pushed him away too far and let him let him not do enough for his own responsibility, I don't think he'd have those wishes. That's awesome. I I really appreciate that. As another parent, I really appreciate that. And I love the fact that you've got a legacy going there, too. Uh, I I find that a lot of veterinary students these days are coming from, well, population centers, and which happens to be, it might not be the Bronx, but it might be a city. And, and, And it is getting more difficult to find students, young people, that have worked with large animals. Is there anything that we can do to, to get that going in reverse and, and get more big animals in kids' lives? Well, a lot of it is financial decisions, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our country here, we don't have the um, government involved in taking care of the large animals. The herd medicine is not something that's economical to a veterinarian after he's attained a over $200,000 education bill uh-huh. that he has to pay off, and that's pretty tough. The veterinary mm-hmm. field has become, over time, more and more popular for females versus males, yeah. and the females tend to want to, one, work part-time, and two, not necessarily be driving from farm to farm, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, can we have veterinarians that are females working in large animals? Absolutely. I did a lot of work with Dr. Barbara Straw, and we did mm-hmm. a lot of herd health swine management, uh, and it was definitely something that uh, any female can do. It's not as if size matters at that point, but um, it is more strenuous on your personal life, and it's not the financial gains that other people see as a possibility for your future. 
Mm. So most vets are setting up in small clinics and uh, more stationary. Yeah, where the income's a little higher. Mm -hmm. The way of life is a little bit more hectic, but there's more likelihood of having one veterinary hospital with four part-time female veterinarians than there is in one large animal veterinary hospital where they have to drive from home to home. It just gets harder and harder. Mm-hmm. The herd health medicine aspect, as far as it being dairy or beef or swine, uh-huh. tends to be more of a male dominance out there. It's hard for a farmer to be working all his life and then all of a sudden have a female veterinarian come in and tell him, hey, you're doing it wrong. Oh, it, yeah, that's true. It's a big true. ego thing there, too, unfortunately, <laughs> even in today's world. That's true. Do you, are you familiar with the name Temple Grandin? Yes. Do you know she that? Yeah. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Yeah. For, She's up for, in Colorado. That's right, full professor, but um, is is autistic, uh, high functioning. Yes. But uh, she did make some inroads. I mean, she was uh, she she must be in her sixties, I think, something like that. So she came in an era which was a little difficult for women to break into, and then she's autistic. So, <laughs> but she did she did create that. Um, oh, absolutely. I'm not saying that it's not possible. I'm just no, I'm just wondering how. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I wonder how we can uh, get more influence going that way and, and keeping. A, I, I guess what I love about your story is that you've got a daughter that's coming up in Pony Club. And so you are working in horse circles and getting horses and children together, which is cool. Yes, um, the U.S. Pony Club is an amazing um, nonprofit organization that's worldwide. It started here in the States, and I believe in 1929. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an organization where we take children that are interested in being involved in horses, and we not only teach them how to ride, but how to take care of the horse, which there is just equally, if not as important. Yeah, because they've got to know when to call a vet, <laughs> make sure that we've Absolutely. got... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's quite a different levels of training. Uh, it starts on a D level and you work your way through those three steps in those and then you work to C and then B and then to top being A. It's, it's years of dedication. Yeah. They, re, they achieve patches for certain aspects of it, whether it be husbandry or nutrition and, um, and obviously writing. There's disciplines. I think there's seven disciplines right now, seven or nine involved in the club where they do eventing, they do dressage, jumping, uh, triathlons. They do, um, I think in that one, they do shooting, yeah. swimming, running and riding as, uh-huh. as the competitive sport. We teach them how to play games on horses and make them interact that way. It's, it's an amazing club. It teaches them how to, how to take care of them and respect them because it's not just getting, having a good time riding on your horse. It's how to respect that animal that's carrying you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're really, it's not a sport that you put in the closet for the weekend. It's, no. Right. Yeah. No, no tennis players out there, um, you know, have to take care of live animals. Um, for their sport. It does put a different perspective on it. And I, and I feel like that's a really important thing for kids growing up too. I agree with you on that. And, and it's probably been fun for you and your daughter to do together. It's been amazing. Uh, a lot of the, because it is a nonprofit organization, a lot of it is volunteer time from the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the children tend to appreciate that because they have to put in a lot of hard work and long hours of studying and writing and they see the involvement of the parent being there versus something you just drop them off and leave. Yeah, yeah. Do you still find time to ride yourself? No, unfortunately. I'm just too busy. 
Yeah, I was afraid you were say that. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Hopefully, I'm thinking in the near future we might be able to. But um, at this point, right now, the only one riding is my daughter. If she can't get the horse out, my son will take the horse out. But that's about it. Yeah, that's as good. far as he'll go for making doing favors for his sister. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're keeping a toe in it that way, though, too, because uh, I think us fifty-somethings uh, are finding ourselves getting, you know, finally having the time to get back into that a little bit, a little time for ourselves after the kids have um, had their growing up times. So. True, and that um, the OC, uh, the Pony Club, actually does have a horse masters. Uh, part participation oh, where adults get to participate in the club and learn just as much as the children are learning, but in a much more adult atmosphere, obviously. Yeah, we had somebody on uh, that's from the Horse Masters uh, organization, you know, that uh, part of the committee for that and helping with that. And it was really interesting. I'm so glad to see the Pony Club getting to that and involving us in sort of a more formal way, uh, training us up to, to be able to do that. For some of us who who were not able to be raised uh, in an atmosphere of horses and understanding that completely. We, we want to keep up with our kids, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they teach you so much in Pony Club. Um, and, and are you finding that the kids in your Belinda, you're, you're a little bit further out. You're not right in the middle of Los Angeles or anything. Do you find that uh, kids are, are staying with animals out there? Are you... Uh, you I, run do. A better I, don't, I don't see it as much as we used to. In the um, city of Yorba Linda is very horse-friendly. We mm-hmm. have lots of homes with backyard stalls and pastures, um, not to the degree that they do up north in, with they have multiple acreage of pastures for their horses to live in. But it is, it does have, excuse me, it the city does have an arena, and a lot of people get to ride there. A lot of children take that's where we take our lessons. And there's a lake bed, and there's horse trails all over the place. Yeah. I do see with time a decline in population, and I think it's due to financial reasons, possibly um, liability reasons, and um, it not knowing that it actually exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. A lot of people use the horse trails to walk their dogs, but they don't necessarily see the horses out there walking. And um, since they don't know about it, they don't go after it. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Caroline Pine, since you run this kind of a high tech, you have a really cool website and all the ways to find you and everything, we should start an app. Or maybe there's apps for this. I, I, I'm trying to figure this out. But for trails for horses so that, you know, people can start adding to it. Now I'm going to get a lot of people throwing um, apps my way, which is cool because I don't want to do the homework for it. But do you know of any apps that have the trails like that? You know, I don't. I know here yeah. in the city of Belinda, with, with the numerous trails we have, you can go down to the city community center, and they have maps that you can actually okay. that they hand out that you can see where you want to head to. And if one trail discontinues, it's not too far from where it would restart again. You just have to get back onto the streets and walk that way. But okay. here in your Belinda, we actually have our little street lights where you go punching the little button to do your crosswalk. We actually mm-hmm. have another one a little higher up for our riders. That's so they awesome. don't need to dismount to turn. Uh-huh. Very good. You're, you're you're really making a run for Norco, isn't that the horse capital of America? <laughs> yeah, Norco's pretty great and pretty great as far as that goes. They are, they have a lot more of the land. Um, yeah. Your blend is unfortunately growing, and it's taken away the lands of the horses. But um, with our stalls and our arenas, and if we keep that lake bed open, there's yeah. plenty to do. 
That sounds great. Well, people will have to visit out in your area and uh, and and come meet you over there um, at your oh, pa- Paws and Claws Veterinary Hospital. I love that. And you're really busy. I mean, when, when I call, it's often just things are happening over there. So I hope people will, um, anywhere in, within earshot of you, come visit you. It sounds like a lot of fun. And I love what you're doing for the future of horsemanship with your, your kids and, and your horse. So what I'd love to do is have you back because you have 21 years of not only veterinary experience, but also horsey and mom experience and even a bearded dragon. So we want to, <laughs> we want to have you back on to, to give us a tip if you would. Would you do that? I would truly appreciate it. Not a problem. I would, I would love to be able to help in any possible way to help these children get more contact and enjoyment out of our horse friends. Oh, you're wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Caroline Pine. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I know that I'm transforming the lives of horses globally. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. There's a new lesson on there each week, all the way from join up to advanced. Watch world's champions give their lessons. Join at MontyRoberts.com. Go to my Equus Online University. You can transform your horse, too. Up next, we have Kata Pataki who was born in 1977, we're going to date her here, in Budapest, Hungary. A swimmer as a child, eventually she swam professionally. And Kata was a five-time Hungarian champion, champion before retiring in 1997, just 20 years old. She bought her first horse in 1996, and in 2008, her boyfriend, whom she later married, suggested that she should learn from the best, Monty Roberts's natural horsemanship methods. She took her first clinic in England and and vowed to become the first Hungarian Monty Roberts instructor, and she accomplished that in 2010. She credits Monty's international recognition for her ability to have now taught over 400 students and often being asked to demonstrate her talents in front of large audiences. Welcome, Kata Pataki, all the way from Hungary. How are you tonight? Oh, hi, Debbie, and hello, everybody. Uh, thank you. I'm very good. I'm feeling very good. I'm I'm in the middle of an intro course, so I'm feeling very good. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're teaching right now. So I know it's about, oh, gosh, 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night when we're doing this interview. Isn't it late? No, it's not late because it, it just gives me a lot of energy, so... Oh. Uh, when I'm teaching, it's I'm I'm more energetic. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, Kata has this w- beautiful young daughter that uh, is fairly young. How old is she now? Now she is uh, two and a half years old, and her name is Zelma. And she's sleeping now. <laughs> yeah, so we waited until she, after she was asleep. Um, so I really appreciate you coming and spending a little time with us. Um, we introduced your background. We know that you have uh, quite an interesting background between being a champion swimmer and, and being quite the horsewoman. But I wanted to catch up with you a little bit to share about some of the work that you're doing um, in Hungary, how that's different than what we normally run into with our horsemanship here. But I want to start off with a really deep question. Is that okay? (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Okay. All right. You know, you're such a great horsewoman and you're so intuitive, just really good with horse. People have to see your work to believe it. Um, But what makes a really good work session for you with a horse? What's, What's really good and what's really effective for you? Um, I think, and for me, it works um, when when the trainer 
can give the spirit into the horse and into the whole session. Because, um, yeah, mm-hmm. because I believe that, okay, we can learn a lot from a master like Monty and, um, you know, it's a technique in a way. So, uh, but the technical part is one thing. And, uh, I think a trainer has to put in her or his spirit into the method and then makes life the whole thing. So for me, um, the technical part, yeah, it's one thing, but when it, when the feel is in there and the intuition in there and, um, it's, it's much more than a technique. So f- for myself, if I can see a trainer and I can feel his specialty or her specialty, um, it's a state of mind. I, I always say that, that you can't, that there is a part, um, in horsemanship and horse training, what you can't le- really learn from a book or from a person. Mm-hmm, you just sure. have to experience it and you have to work and meet a lot of horses, a lot of people, mm-hmm. and then you will be in a state of mind what you, where, where you can really help horses and people. This mm-hmm. is what I think about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is this something that you can, you're, you're running an intro course, you said right now, is this something that you can impart to your students or, or is that something that has to happen after years and years of working with horses? No, I always talk about it because it's, it's, for me, it's very, very important that they have to think about it and they have to think a little bit more than a technique. The technique is mm-hmm. very, very important because you're Muscle will remember for all of this. This is, uh, I know about my sport background that if, uh, for example, someone just dropped me in the water, I don't have to think about how uh-huh. do I need yeah. to swim <laughs> because right. I know it. I started when I was four, so uh, it's a long time. And um, then we have to feel in it. I, I mean, we have to feel the technique with our personality and spirit and then will be okay and they have to think about it because they just don't I, I don't want my student to uh just do something you know by step by step they have mm-hmm. to really think about it and feel the horse and think like a horse if it's possible <laughs> so yeah. i always i always um doing some exercises when they really have to feel their self as a horse and i think it helps a lot and I also um, trying to help them what kind of other sports can help it. For example, yoga and some meditation, mm-hmm. because I believe it helps a lot. I mean, it helps me a lot. Yeah, I so, agree. Um, so that's that's that physiology. That's that breathing and uh, bringing your um, your whole physiology into control. There is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah. Yes, this is what I mean because you have to really know your own body and control your own body and uh, your movements because if you don't know it that it's not going to really work this is mm-hmm. what i think mm-hmm. so it so you're you're basically taking the trainer's personality out of it but saying that that trainer needs to understand the horse's personality what's going on with the horse out there to be really effective did i hear that yes yes Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Good. And the trainer personality and uh is also very important because we are all different and uh I remember when I I was Monty's student and well I am 
still not the student, and, and <laughs> I will true. always be her, uh, his student. <laughs> but when I was preparing to my exam, I I really wanted um, copy him, if you know what I mean. I really wanted copy to him. be him, mm-hmm. and that was the point when I just couldn't work with the horses anymore. I mean, it worked, but it, it wasn't me, and. Mm-hmm. Um, when I just and, and I really forced it, I really wanted it. I was really, you know, like I want to be Monty and I want to do that movement like he does, and and it just didn't work. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, I, I can't be him. And right. uh, now yeah. I know that this is the fun part because nobody can be Monty, <laughs> and it's <laughs> just so good. I mean, he's so special, but. I can be so special in another way and some other instructors can be special in another way. And I think this is so good and and I just love to do it all the time. I love work with horses and and it's really good. Well, tell me about horsemanship in Hungary. Tell me about some of the, you know, where in 1995-ish, six-ish, things began to change in the U.S. in, in horsemanship. What's been the curve in Hungary? Wow, well, I think it was um, around 2004, six, and of course, when Monty was here, it was 2007. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and, and it changed a lot. Um, I think it was the first time when, a, when a, a famous trainer came into this country and a lot of people could see him. So I think it really, really changed a lot. Um, but what is interesting, I think in, it, it was it this year when uh, people started really think about, um, okay, let's do something else with horses. Let's just approach them from another way. But it's still a little bit hard to um, to get uh, sport, I mean, sports riders who are really into sports and a discipline like jumping or dressage or um, western, it doesn't really matter, but really, really sport men or sport women are not, are still not believing it enough. This is my experience. They are still, I really have to show it because um, to say it or to talk about it or to write it about it, it's, it's still not enough. Mm-hmm. So I always have to show something what is really effective, and then they will believe it. So um, it's still um, growing, and still um, uh, it's it's very different from yeah. the US. You, very, you're very talking different. about taking the violence out of of horse breaking. Is it yeah. pretty traditional there still? Traditional? Yeah. yeah. yeah? Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But what is growing is, and it's very interesting is the liberty training. This is the most mm-hmm. growing part of horsemanship now in Hungary. And uh, tell us, tell this, us a little bit about that. Yeah. This is for me. Um, this is always a little bit too much for horses, um, and this is me. I mean. Everybody can do whatever they want and whatever they are enjoying. But for me, it's, it's just a little bit too much. Um, I, I always feel that, um, and this is not a judgment, it's just a feeling that it's a little bit about a human circus that, yeah, we can teach everything for horses. And this can be, I mean, it can be beautiful, it can be nice, and uh, um, 
we all know Florian Oberpaleiter from Monty mm-hmm. University, and and I'm so special because I know his know him personally. Um, yeah. Per, yeah, personally, and he did a great job, and that was really really amazing. Um, but I always would like to know after a show how these people told their horses because I always can feel some frustration, some mm-hmm. you know something what is what is just a little bit afraid about the consequences. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. Well, for- liberty training it takes on so many different definitions. It's almost like, you know, in the Western world, hackamore means 15 different things to 15 different people, but yeah. and liberty training <laughs> can be the same way. But t- t- take me in the direction of this uh, Mustang challenges things that are going on in Hungary, because that to me is a completely new idea as far as I know um, to me. What's what's going on with the challenges? You're doing something like the Mustang challenges there. Uh, well, I, I uh, to be honest, I heard about it, but um, and yes, I was invited too, but it is very, very, very difficult. I mean, so many colleagues and trainers um, said no, as I did, and it's not. Because oh, so it's not we, taking off, yeah. Um, I, I don't know how, how is it. It's just um, very interesting because um, in Hungary we can't really find those kind of horses what yeah, we have that's what I was naturally. Mm-hmm. And um, what we can find is some um, very, very raw horses, which is very rare, to be honest, or we can find some problem horses or abused mm-hmm. horses and I think with these kind of horses in Hungary, you can't really copy that that challenge because you can't. And uh, as as far as I know, they would have they wanted to do it in a couple of hours, so it's not like oh. in your country. And uh, it's it's not a competition. I mean, a horse needs some time, and every horse yeah. needs different time what they need. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 totally different. So yeah. horsemanship and horse people um, in the U.S. You know, you can born in a ranch when your father, grandfather, and grand grand grandfather did <laughs> all the same, and it's just natural. But in Hungary, it's it's not it's not like that. Well, what makes a, a horse training business successful in Hungary these days? Mm, I think. Um, what my experience is, the, um, uh, the communication uh, is very, very, very important. What you is, mean the way, the way you train a horse, do you mean? Or what, what kind of... Uh, if you, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean when you... Um, you I, uh, I really have to write about it and talk about it a lot in magazines and on Facebook. And uh, so, so this kind of communication is, is very important. What is more important is uh, organizing some demos and show people, okay, you can come and have a look how oh, we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so funny because um, I did a couple of demos a couple of years ago. It was a uh, uh, starting young horses like like Monty always does, and uh, at the end I got so many good uh, feedback. But there were some feedback that they were sure that I was working with the horse before <laughs> a lot of time, <laughs> and it wasn't enough because we just 
You were so good. They thought you had trained them ahead. (laughs) Yeah, and and the method is so good. So that's why I said the second day at at my second demo that I'm so happy in a way that people said that because that, yeah, this this just, you know, show me that the method is great and it works. So no question. (laughs) So it was was funny. So, so, if, so you're in order to build up a good business, you have to go out there and literally go to the trade shows or put on demonstrations of some sort to show them that this method works. That's very much like it was in the mid '90s in uh, the U.S. So, because yeah. people really didn't believe that. Uh, do you bring in strange horses? I mean, do you, do you have owners just bring you horses that you've never seen before, or how do you do? How do you get the horse selection? It, it's always like that. So uh, uh, that specific demo, we just went out a field and it was a lot of horses and the owner said, okay, that one and the other <laughs> one and that, that chestnut mare we couldn't catch. So just good luck. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. And we picked up the horse and, and it worked. So um, it, it's always like that. I always work with uh, strange horses uh, at the demos. <laughs> <laughs> strange, strange to you, but they're not actually strange horses. But yeah, that, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. That that's great. And and you are being successful over there. You are being a successful woman. In a, is it still kind of a male dominated world in Hungary too? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And uh, it's it's very interesting because. Um, I think it's like this all over the world that in yeah. my courses, it's it's almost only females. But um, in terms of if, if you are talking about trainers, they are most of men. Yeah. And, um, and it's also like if somebody, for example, call me and ask my help and, you know, I show up and sometimes it's like, <laughs> yeah, good joke. So she, what, what, what she could do with this horse. And, and it's not about a physical power. It's not about, um, right. you know, anything what you need to be really strong. It's, it's, it's something which is coming from your soul and, and it's very different. So, uh, um, I had some practice before I got my internship, um, intro certificate, and I went to a, a huge breeding uh, station in Hungary, and I asked them to give some, uh, I asked them to give me some uh, young horses, and they brought me some really, really raw horses. They yeah. hardly catch them, and everybody show up, and they just watched me, and I was really, really nervous that they were really waiting for me fail, and that to was, fail, that, right, right? It was just so rude. But after a couple of minutes, they were like, "Wow, okay, something happened," and yes, I can, I can make some mistakes. I, I always make mistakes, but this is the the. Um, the special with horses that they can forgive and you can you can do the next time um, in another way and I always think about that so if I get a horse who has a problem it just working in me for days and days and days and then it's always have a solution there is always a solution so um it's it's fun I love it yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing all of that, too, because I know you probably feel a little bit 
like an island over there um, because <laughs> yeah. you are, you're, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you're starting the industry, but your daughter will never know that, you know, she'll grow up in a world that um, probably will be very different than um, your first yeah. experiences with horses, which is very cool. I'm glad you're doing that for her, if not for all the horses <laughs> in Hungary, which is great. I would love to have you back, Kata. Um, we just really scratched the surface of all the things that you're doing. Would you, would you be open? Open to coming back and giving us a, a trainer's tip for us, for our listeners. Yes, of course. Thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, and thank you for staying up late tonight. I hope your students <laughs> will um, let you sleep in 10 minutes in the morning or something and, and, uh, and not demand <laughs> no, that too much. <laughs> no, I know. You've got energy to spare. But thank you very much for joining us today all the way from Hungary. Here comes the trainer's tip from Francesca Wood this week. It's a tip on stopping, stepping back, and reassessing. Thank you, Francesca Wood, for coming back to us with a trainer's tip for this week. My trainer's tip would be um, the discipline that you need to have while working around Colts, but but these Mustangs in, in particular, and, and by discipline I mean self-control and being predictable, discernible, as Monty likes to say, and reliable, um, and never allowing the adrenaline to go up um, in your work with these horses because it is it is the worst thing you can possibly do. And therefore, there have been times when I have to, you know, I just walk away and I have to think about what's happening and how I can, you know, not do the same thing over and over again because that never, never works. And try and be resourceful when it comes to finding um, key or, you know, issues that, that I can work with uh, with the Mustangs. How do you to, bring that adrenaline? To be effective. To be effective. Yeah. Yeah, how do you bring that adrenaline down, though, Francesca? I mean, it could be uh, induced by fear. It could be induced by frustration. What do you do? Well, I try not to to let the horse get to that point at all. Mm -hmm. Um, In other words, if I think I'm, you know, raising the... uh, Maybe I've raised the fish a little high. Mm -hmm. I immediately will go back to whatever I was doing previously in the foundation... Um, and re-secure that before even trying to do the next step. That's Good the idea. invaluable part of it. And so I, I can feel, you know, have, having been around cults a lot in my life, but this is much harder, is it, to um, learn to understand by the horse's language, body language and so on, that, that this is a little much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and listening to them really they they show you they teach mm-hmm. you they show you everything mm-hmm. they're so raw you know they they're just um they're authentic totally mm-hmm. authentic and therefore you have to be totally authentic mm-hmm. they can tell and and know when yes. to move away you know take the pressure off mm-hmm. give the horse some time um mm-hmm. to figure it out and do the intrinsic learning 
Very good. So you you have more going on in your brain than you do worrying about your physiology. In other words, you don't focus on trying to bring your heart rate down or your breathing down as much as you think about what you've done to put too much pressure on that horse to to cause some some. Yeah. Um. I. I. Well, you know, I. I. I, I always try to remember. Monty is in the back of my head as far as you know breathing. All that counts so much with these horses. Um, realize that you might be holding your breath mm-hmm. um, around them. Um, being aware of, of that, uh, of being very centered or trying to be mm-hmm. um, low. Um, you know, there's, there's something very subtle about being uh, low adrenaline, but at the same time, being an, an assertive presence. Yes. Yes, and I know what you mean. Wild horses. You see what I mean? Yes. It's, it's, it's yes. like you've got to be uh, a good presence, but not a threatening one. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. In December 1 through 5, he's going to hold his Monty special training in both English and Portuguese for our Brazilian and Portuguese friends at Flagazette Farms. And December 12 through 14, I'm going to make a big announcement here. We have a very special horse sense and healing for stress re- uh, injuries in our service personnel and first responders. This is a, a an offering we've been doing now for about four times a year for several years. We will have a special guest this year with us. Anne Romney will be visiting to support our horse and healing, horse sense and healing program for stress injuries in our service personnel and first responders. So we're very proud of that. And then March, isn't that cool? That's cool. She's a horse girl. Yes, she is. She's a dressage girl um, that became a, a horse girl because of her MS. She yep. used it for therapeutic, and now she is a big believer in that, and so are we. And March 14th, uh, 2015, Monty will be in Arizona. We have the links there uh, on our website. You can look for um, how to buy tickets, and he's doing a big demonstration in a beautiful area of Arizona. Pretty cool. And you can get mm-hmm. all of that at MontyRoberts.com. And if you're not a computer person, you can call them and get a real human being on the line at 805-688-6288. And I'm pretty sure, Debbie, that Mm. on MontyRoberts.com, you can find the phone number, too. Sure, on the contacts page, you can find it there, too. Some people aren't into email. They want to talk to a real person. So you can head on over to MontyRoberts.com because that's really easy to remember, and the phone number will be right there. Yes, and Adam Bates sits at our, our desk there, and he's awesome. They I've talked love. to Adam. Very pleasant there fellow. Very yes. nice man. And yes. for details about today's show, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com, where you will find links and photos and more information about today's guests. And as always, we love your feedback. So follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Monty Roberts, or on Twitter at twitter.com slash, this is the tough part, Monty underscore Roberts. And generally speaking, yeah, generally speaking, when you go into your search bar, if you were to put Monty Roberts Twitter, 
the search bar will send you to that place just pretty the same much. if you can't remember if it's a slash or an underscore. So it's That's pretty straightforward right. stuff. Very yeah. good. See, you're good at this. That's good. You've been playing around on your computer, haven't you? And I want to thank many thanks to our sponsors, too. We seriously could not do this without them. Be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours. I will. Bye.